Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Hello and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Episode 41. Welcome to my mind there. Last week I spoke with Carl Olson on this very program and it made me think of old friends and how friends cycle through our lives. I once read something that said people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I know I went long last week about my influences. This week I want to talk about what I think is meant by a reason, a season, and a lifetime. A reason. What could the author of that short statement mean? I think this is people like doctors and surgeons, police officers and firemen, someone who comes into your life, hopefully for the better, and then are gone. You know, the doctor that sets your broken arm and then works you through rehab until you're healed up and back to 100%. The police officer or fireman that responds to a call for an auto accident or house fire. They come, make things as right again as they can, and then you never see them again. I mean, you know, it's just, that's my take on this part. A season. What's meant by that? Well, in my mind, these are friends that you have early in life. High school buddies that you thought you were inseparable from. from. Then graduation happened. When was the last time you spoke to John? These are the people you work with. Then, when you change a job and and you no longer talk to these people. It used to be so funny when... Shoot, what was her name? Ah, it doesn't matter. I was working at XYZ Company anyway. She always used to. That's what I categorize as a seasoned person. Finally, we come to the lifetime people. Let's start with the easiest, family. In most cases, but of course not all, this includes those friends that have survived high school uh, and college cuts. Those friends that you've had from an early age that you now, you may not always see or always talk to, but no matter how much time and space comes between you, they are still a part of you. They are the ones that you may not talk to for months or years but when you get back together, and it's, it's as if no time has passed, and they will always be a part of who you are. These are the people you want to strive to have in your stable of friends. They get you. They know you. And Mindmare. Alright, so first guest introduction. I have back, fresh off of episode four, Zave the First. How you doing, Zave? Very good, sir. Yourself? I am doing very well. So last time you were here... We talked about my position in life as a father of two daughters. So, what's new with you? Oh, not much. Getting older, broke a rib, going through the joy of healing that up. Uh, When you break a rib, just a recommendation, don't laugh, don't take deep breaths, don't cough or sneeze, and definitely, definitely don't fold anything like laundry, because my God, folding towels hurts like hell. (laughs) I can believe it. Now, I've never broken a rib. I have broken toes. Honestly, that's it. I've never broken anything but my toes. I have broken everything, everything other than my skull. I'm not counting my jaw because I've dislocated that twice. Well, dislocated is not the same as broken. True. Well, okay, so my head is safe so far. <laughs> well, that's up to interpretation. Uh, my shrink says that, that, that the rest of you are messed up. 
All right, so I have a new portion to the first introduction. I'm going to ask you five questions, and hopefully you'll answer them. You ready? All right, go for it. What is your favorite food? Mmm, that is very, very easy for me. I am a soup fanatic. I will eat soup three times a day. Okay, fair enough. Is there a certain type of soup? Is there, um, is there one soup I'm that you go back to? I'm more of a broth soup, like a pho or a Thai noodle soup. I'm not a big, not a big cream soup person, but if cream soup's all there is, I'll eat that over anything else. Okay. I would rather have a bowl of chicken noodle soup than a steak. Okay. Your favorite band or musician? James Taylor. James Taylor, okay. Own everything he's ever done. That's a lot of stuff. Yes. <laughs> I have a terabyte and a half um, hard drive at home that stores all the music I like. Okay. Favorite game, RPG or board? Ooh. I saw a post on G Plus the other day where somebody had drug out HeroQuest. And I'm going to pull a RPG board game. Okay. Because that's what I actually started with. I've, if I had nothing else to go back with, I would pull up my old HeroQuest, throw it under my arm, and head off onto the deserted island. Okay. Fair enough. The next one, the next question, I'm going to limit you to one, okay? okay? All right. What is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. And I say one because I know you. <laughs> mm. Mm. One. Intentional stupidity. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then finally, your favorite podcast slash TV show slash internet show slash... Mm. Since I don't own a television, that eliminates part of it. Well, yes, but I'm asking for one of the, of the entire entertainment. Um, the show I watch most religiously is Anthony Bourdain programs on either CNN or the Food Channel. Okay. He also has his own cut now. He's produced by somebody else also. I really enjoy that uh, off-the-cuff who cares the fuck kind of going on a trip, doing what you want, experience other people's world because you want to do that. I enjoy that pro type of program. Um, as far as other programs, I have to say that most likely my favorite is anything that has a quality story. My argument is television was worth throwing out of my house when nobody was able to reproduce a story like The Last Battlestar Galactica. Um, I seriously really love that program. And nobody does a story anymore. It's all reworks of something else with no nothing new and no care about character. Okay, fair enough. I don't know if I can disagree with you on that, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, I personally, I haven't had cable for five years. Yeah. Um, it's I tend 97 to... channels of more shit. I can't remember what... There were, you, you're the music guy. Um, who was the one who had uh, something about... Uh, 75 channels of crap on the television. There was a song that had that in it. And I'll tell you, it, it is absolutely true. I mean, I have... I think there's a Weird Al parody of some song that does that. There's a, I think Weird Al does, but I think there's an actual original okay. song also that has okay. it. I would have to Google it. But the, um, the saddest fact to me is that I have... My wife has Hulu. I got um, Curiosity TV, which is okay. They got a lot of bugs. I... I don't have it right now until they fix some of the problems, but everybody who's a fan of science stuff, go back to that. It's cheap. It's awesome. All science programs. Um, they got some work to do on the streaming. And we have Netflix. And even with those three, I always ended up going back to the science program or the documentary or the travel show about different things of the real world because everything that is written in fantasy 
sci-fi or even modern day stuff is just crap. Yeah, it, it really is. And I agree with you. I watch a lot of documentaries. I watch a lot of, um, like you said, travel shows, science shows, things like that. I do like Anthony Bourdain. I just saw a commercial for him on CNN when I was out somewhere and they had CNN on. And, oh, my God, is he is he getting old? Yeah, yeah. Well, he is, I think he's now going on 65. He might be going at late. He might be later than that. I'd have to look it up. I and a heavy smoker and a drinker, so that doesn't. Well, not help. anymore. Well, no, but he was at oh, one no, time, and that does not. Heavy smoker. His wife finally got him to stop smoking. Oh, really? Yeah, he quit about I think two years ago, uh, two or three years ago. It was on uh, one of his programs where he, okay. was, you know, where he was like, "Okay, my wife told me I have to stop." Um, and, but he still drinks anything and everything that you put in front of him. And um, and those two things and the amounts that he did them in, at least if you listen to the way he talked on on his TV shows and stuff. Those two things together and the amounts he did, that ages you pretty quickly. He smoked continually even at home, but he actually says in his blogs and a lot of places that he didn't he doesn't he doesn't drink like that when he's at home. It's part of that alcohol is a bond is a bond maker mm -hmm. and a bond creator. People when you go to a house, um, like the one program I just watched, he was in Thailand, and the first thing I brought out was the Thai whiskey, which is basically just rice rock gut but uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's that have a drink i welcome you to my house i'm going to give you what we spend the most time making here is our homemade whiskey and you drink it even though it sucks and you say thank you and they and because these people were showing you what they were proud of right and it's um but he drinks a lot more when he said he says on on the road than he does and some of it he says is actually for medical reasons when you travel, one of the best ways to keep yourself from getting Montezuma's revenge is to indulge in extra alcohol. Um, eat, drink, and don't drink beer. Drink something high octane. So drink the rock gut because rock gut kills everything that was in the rock gut bottle and everything that you just put down your stomach. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so I'm going to jump in today in history, and then we'll come back and we'll do your topic. Okay, back to history. Always back to history on this show. May 12th. 1963, Bob Dylan walks out on the Ed Sullivan Show. By the end of the summer of 1963, Bob Dylan would have been known to millions who watched or witnessed his performances at the March on Washington. And millions more who did not know Dylan himself would know and love his music thanks to Peter, Paul, and Mary's smash hit cover version of Blown in the Wind. But back in May, Dylan was still just another aspiring musician with a passionate niche following but no national profile whatsoever his second album the freewheeling bob dylan had not yet been released but he had secured what would surely be his big break with an invitation to perform on the ed sullivan show that appearance never happened on may 12 1963 the young and unknown bob dylan walked off the set of the country's highest rated variety show after network censors rejected the song he planned on performing the song that caused the flap was Talking John Birch Paranoid Blues, a satirical talking blues number skewering the ultra-conservative John Birch Society and its tendency to see co co covert members of an international communist conspiracy behind every tree. Dylan had auditioned John Birch days earlier and had run through it for Ed Sullivan himself with Ed without any concern being raised. 
But during dress rehearsals on the day of the show, an executive from the CBS Standards and Practices Department informed the show's producers that they could not allow Dylan to go forward singing John Birch. While many of the song's lyrics about hunting down reds were merely humorous, looked up my chimney hole, looked down deep inside my toilet bowl, they got away. Others that equated the John Birch Society's views with those of Adolf Hitler raised the fear of a defamation lawsuit in the minds of CBS's lawyers. Rather than choose a new number to perform or change his song lyrics, as the Rolling Stones and the Doors would famously do in the years to come, Dylan stormed off the set in angry protest. Or so goes the legend that helped establish Dylan's public reputation as an artist of uncompromising integrity. In reality, Bob Dylan was polite and respectful in declining to accede to the network's wishes. I explained the situation to Bob and asked him if he wanted to do something else, recalls Ed Sullivan show producer Bob Precht. And Bob quite appropriately said no. No, this is what I want to do. If I can't play my song, I'd rather not appear on the show. It hardly mattered whether Dylan's alleged tantrum was fact or reality. The story got widespread media attention in the days that followed, causing Ed Sullivan himself to denounce the network's decision in published interviews. In the end, however, the free publicity Bob Dylan received may have done more for his career than his abortive national television appearance scheduled for this day in 1963 ever could have. I did not know that. Oh. I, I had never did heard not, that did story. Did you know that the Doors didn't, they were told to change their words? And, and they did not. And they did not. Correct. Yes. And they got in a lot of trouble for that. Oh, yes. Yeah. They, um, in fact, um, to the point where Ed Sullivan, after the show, chewed uh, um, Jim Morris and a brand new asshole. So, you know, it was one of those things that, um, you know, Ed Sullivan show was where you wanted to be if you were an up and coming musician. Yeah. So for him to take Lucky that stance. Times have changed. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to watch stuff like, you know. No, no. You know, I did like the variety show. I mean, I grew up with uh, Carol Burnett's show. Um, um, what was the her, her the short guy? Tim Conway. Um, I, I love these shows. And I love the idea of that live or pseudo live entertainment where the human error is in there. It gave you, it made them feel real, not this fake stuff. But, you know, in the modern world, I would rather have had that, but a little less of the, uh, what was the name of the group? The, um, uh, that group told him that he had to, I can't remember the name, the name of the NBC group that told him he couldn't play. Oh, Rights and Practices? Yes, the Rights and Practices. A little less of that. Um, let us, let's be human. Yeah, but you know, the, the 50s were, if, if you read the history, the 50s were a weird time. They were a weird time. You know, there was a lot of patriotism. And there was a lot of fear of communism, and you put those two things together, and you get a lot of censorship. However, I'm going to say, was there a fear of communism, or was there a fear of somebody thinking you were a communist? Well, yes, there was that. I mean, you know, Wisconsin's well known for that with uh, mm. uh, McCarthy. Yeah, we own that great one. Yeah. You know, when you think Wisconsin, uh, just don't think Wisconsin. Not when it comes to that kind of stuff. No, we don't <laughs> have the best track record currently either. Uh, well, <laughs> this is true. Anyway, so what do you got this week, Zave? I mean, it's well, been it's been over thirty weeks. It's been over a half a year. Yep. What do you got for me? I'm going to start out by saying that I was been watch. I'm a big tech fan. I love science, and as I said, I watched the Curiosity program when they were trying to get that to work. Um, I I love the tech. I love the uh, the innovations that mankind overall, not just America anymore. 
I mean, we're talking right. India. We're talking um, all of the, the the creative countries, the countries that have the the wherewithal to actually invest in their people. I, you see some of these great things coming out. I just was at home watching a program uh, on Netflix about space camp and how these kids are, they're calling them the Mars generation. Okay. And what I was really, really saddened by is not our present political situation. Because I don't blame our pontiff for being the idiot that he is. He is he is who he is, and he would have been an idiot whether or not he is in the office or not. Well, but, let me stop you there, because anybody listening to this that has a religious background, you say pontiff, they think pope. Well, okay, uh, correct. Our, president. Our president. Okay, uh, I just want to make sure we know who we're talking yes, about here. Yes, yes, I apologize. Um, our, our wonderful President Trump. Um, is it is it still weird for you to put those two words yes, together? Yes, I, I, it, it literally, I have to... Uh, one of the comedians on the, one of the night shows says it makes you nauseous, and it actually does. It makes me, it, it it makes bile come up in my stomach, not because he's an idiot, but he represents what I was wanting to talk about. Okay, because it's it's one of those things. I never call him President Trump. I say the president, or I say Trump. But putting those two words together is one of those actions that I just can't bring myself to do. Those two words just don't go together in my head. There's nothing presidential about it. No, there isn't. There's not. There's absolutely nothing that is comforting. No. Um, no. Let, let's not. I'm. I'm not saying that other presidents did. Was I a big fan of Reagan? I know Reagan was great to the Republicans. He was a big, big. big he's a big icon. I wasn't always comfortable with Reagan. Some of his protocols that we found out weren't always the greatest thing, but it. He didn't make me fear having him in charge. Right. It, you know, I'm a restaurant guy. I worked for many, many years in a restaurant, 11 years as a chef. And there's the guy who's the head chef. He's well, In some restaurants, he's referred to the caller. Some, sometimes it's just chef. Sometimes it's just the guy who's in charge. And like a kitchen, it's very similar to a military idea or a boat there's got to be somebody in charge that keeps everybody focused and they can rally around when the thing goes wrong. And I'll use the example of Mother's Day. Okay. Mother's Day is coming. Mother's Day, for everybody who's going to listen, take your mother home, cook them a nice meal as best as you personally can. Don't take her out to eat because it is the biggest joke that this woman spent a lot of time cooking for you and you haul her out to a restaurant and have somebody else cook for her on the worst day of the restaurant year. When you're in Mother's Day in the restaurant, shit hits the fan. Some of the restaurants I've worked in, we served over 3,000 plates in a nine-hour period. It's ridiculous. And... You have to have that one guy, the guy in charge, that when the plates are breaking and you're running out of this and you don't, your grill is dying and you can't keep up, he always has a cool head. He always knows what to say when the shit hits the fan. He can help pick up this. He can help find that. He's always the man you go to for when times are bad. 
And when you need that pat on the back, he's there to pat you on the back and go, I know it's rough. You can make this. I have faith in you. You can go forward and help us out to survive this day. This is the same what a president needs to do. Oh, absolutely. But we don't have that. No, no. We've got... We've got a nine-year-old who has a tantrum. No, no. I know nine-year-olds that are much more in charge of their bodies than he is, of his mouth. You know what I mean? True. But... A six-year-old? <laughs> there you go. A two-year-old? Yeah. Now, let me ask you one question here, because we're going to be talking technology. And this is always something I like to ask. Now, you're a few years older than me, not mm -hmm. not a ton of years older than me. Oh, I'm ancient. Are you saying I'm old? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> In your lifetime, what is the what is the one step forward in technology or the way that things are done that when you sit down and think about it, it is like, I would never expect this to have happened in my lifetime. Well, I think we talked, I think, I don't know if we talked about it last time, but I was, when I was in high school, I was on a thing called the Mars Project. And uh, that was a theoretical idea of how to, in 1983, how to design a living, a substantial living environment on Mars and deal with radiation, um, water, heat, the, the variation in Mars climates. And uh, it was a great project, learned a lot about science, had a great time, um, did a few things and, for state. But now I'm watching that we have people like Elon Musk who's saying, hey, in 10 years, I'm going to put somebody on Mars. And I would have to say that would be one that I didn't expect us to do because I grew up in the 80s. 1969, we had the, the, the launch. We went to the moon. It was a huge push. For a little bit of my very young life, I was a part of that amazing space main tent. Man, America, humans can do anything. We can go to the moon. And then all of a sudden, we went to the space shuttle, which was basically a really cool airplane but we didn't really ever go do what we were going to do right after we went to the moon. Because even NASA had planned to go to Mars. And the space shuttle became the big wheel that we rode around the block. And don't get me wrong, I love the space shuttle. I think it was really cool inventions that we learned a lot. We gained a lot of technology from it. But we really didn't do what NASA was originally designed to do, which was go into space to explore, to find out what's outside of this. If you look at some of the original documents that came out of the 60s, the 60s documents are now what they're pulling out for the Mars program because we already had it figured out then. Right, and it's kind of funny to me as well that now that they have opened this up to private companies to you know explore space and say, you know, you still have to work through the government, but it's available to you. We've come steps and bounds further than NASA would have been. I'll tell you this much: when I watched when I watched SpaceX twentieth uh, uh, launch land by itself outside of man control, went to space, dropped off a package, came back through the atmosphere, and landed itself on a platform straight up, 
to be refueled and used again, it brought a tear to my eye. It was absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was to know that we have broken that barrier of the disposable spaceship is is every... This is what causes us to think about Star Trek. This is what causes us to think about the X-Wing. This is all... They didn't throw them away. They didn't, oh, my God, we took the, the X-Wing into space. Well, it's done now. We crumple it up, throw it away, and build another one. <laughs> I mean... They reused their spaceships. This is a huge step. Oh, yeah. Now, my next question is, as a fan of this kind of thing, if Elon Musk tapped you and said, you can go to Mars, would you do it? Absolutely. Would you? Yeah. I would plan on dying there, but yes, I would go. Well, that's pretty much what they're saying. The yeah. first group that's going to go there is not coming home. No. So. Well, the probability is, is that we could actually bring people home. The difficulty is, is that we would have to start now, not investing 0.1 of the national gross uh, uh, national gross product. We would uh, we would need to give point. We need to give four percent, like we did when we went to the moon. We're we're running NASA right now on 0.4 percent, point 0.4 percent of the national. We're running at one tenth what we used to run at, mm -hmm. and we're still doing amazing stuff. Why have the why have the private industries come in? Because they have the money and NASA doesn't anymore. Um, if we gave them four percent, we would already be sending robot that build uh, fuel t fuel factories and housing and digging ditches for people to live in and and putting housing up in those ditches and burying them for radiation protection. This would already be going on if we wished that to happen. And that's kind of where I was going to go with my topic. Too. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. We should probably get into your topic here. Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong with what? Exploration? Today, Elon Musk made a comment in a paper that I read. Maybe it wasn't today he made it, but I read it today. That by 2022, his goal is to have someone in a spaceship going to Mars. 2022. That is, what, five, five years. years from now? Yep. On the outside, even the outside people, NASA, the guys who say, whoa, 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 slow down, don't go so fast, don't be crazy, they're saying 2030. Okay. So we're talking 13 years at the outside. Right. We're planning on going to Mars for what is everyone saying? We're going to colonize Mars. We're going to put factories there, and we're going to have – you're going to be – if you're in, a, in an industry, you're going to be able to go there and do mining, and we might terraform the place, and we can do experiments there and learn about life and science and all of these things. Yet yesterday, we had half of our government pass a law that told people that good people didn't get sick. And that pretty much says bad people get sick. We have a vice president who claims to be a hardcore Christian, yet I am not a churchgoer, yet I've read the book. He follows none of the guidelines of his religion. Help the poor, help the needy, do good for those that are less than you have. Where did we go wrong? We have this amazing technology that every day I am absolutely in awe with, yet we don't give a shit about 
anybody. We don't give a shit about each other. We don't give a shit about our neighbors. We don't give a shit about our own people. We have, we have governments that are gassing their own people. Where did we go wrong? We have the technology to be colonizing outside planets. We don't deserve to, to be colonized. We can't keep our own bedroom clean. No, you're absolutely right. And my question is, and I, maybe you won't have it, and I don't have it, but it may be something that somebody will listen to this who's way smarter than me, has way more n letters and numbers behind their name, who can help, who can email Chad and say, this is why we fucked this up. Because I, I'm, I'm absolutely befuddled by this. We have technology. I'm holding my cell phone in my hand. We have technology that literally surpasses the communicator out of Star Trek. Absolutely. I have more technology in my hand than any computer I have ever owned. You have more technology in your hand than what put the first men on the moon. Absolutely. And my nephew, who's 12, has a, brand, a newer one than me. So we have this ability to do amazing things. Yet, the one reason I think we would be doing this is to improve the overall state of mankind. Not Americans, not Chinese, not Indians, not Russians. But we're building this stuff because we all want a better world. Yet, we don't care about global warming. We don't care about starving people. We kill people for their sexual preference. We um, claim that, no offense, this mysterious individual in space tells us what we're supposed to do, and yet he's merciful and good, but tells us that we're supposed to beat the shit out of our local homosexual. I mean, I, I, where did we go wrong? Because I'm afraid, to, I'm afraid that I don't want people to leave this planet. Because if there is other life out there, we, we don't deserve to infect them with this. What makes you think let, – let me ask you a question in response to your question. What makes you think that those life forms out there are any different? I – my worry is this, that there is other life forms out there. I, I would think by the laws of probability there yes, have to be. There, there have to be. There has to be some form. Are there other – Hairless monkeys who like to walk around with shirts on and stuff Most like likely that. not. Most likely not. But there's something else out there. And is it sentient? Who knows? I would cross my fingers and hope. But we treat each other so bad that what are we going to treat to something that we may not perceive as equal? We don't treat each other as equal, and our science has proven that no human on this planet is different than another. We don't even treat the monkeys right that are 99% the same as us. So I'm, I'm wondering, we did something wrong where we have this amazing technology, but absolutely no care about how it's used or what it's used for, or that it, it seems like we have taken this corner that we want to have all the cool stuff, but I don't want to help the guy in the corner, and, and I don't want to help the person who needs um, a leg. Um, I don't want to help the person who is blind. I don't want to help the vet because he's crazy now. Well, he must have wasn't crazy beforehand. <laughs> now he's crazy. Um, 
we did something wrong in this because I, I'm an am I'm an amateur people watcher. I, I would proclaim that I my sociological knowledge is limited by the few years of college that I did I paid attention to, but I still don't get how a group of people are at a point that we have so little care about each other. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that religion's bad. I think religion has done some great things for some great people. But at the same exact time, the, the people that we have currently who are allegedly very religious, Mr. Pence, are horrible people. This guy you don't want as your neighbor. No, I, I, I get where you're going with this. My thing, or what I would say to this, is if you really want me to try to pinpoint where we went wrong, I think it's when society as a whole, society as a whole, changed from the barter system into a monetary system. Because then, whatever you did, let's say you were a farmer. You were a farmer, I made lumber. You would go, hey, I need some of your lumber. I need to build a barn. You need to build a barn. I go, that's great. I got all kinds of lumber. You make food. I need to eat. And I got 10 guys that need to eat who cut down the lumber. Right. So if you give me food. For I'll me and my lumber. 10 guys, yeah. I'll give you lumber for your, for your family and barn. Exactly. And when we moved into money, which is really just paper or coin or whatever. Even when it was actual tangible wealth, a rare item that you gold coined was gold, mm -hmm. it still was only a pick. It was still only a symbol. Right. What it, What is gold really worth? It's it's naturally occurring metal. It's a rare item. Yes. yes. However, you can't eat it. Nope. And you can't build a house out of it. Well, you could. Yeah, if you had a lot of it. Yeah, you'd, you'd need a lot of it, and it would be pointless because it first strong wind and it would just bend. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> So you can't eat it, you can't wear it, and you can't build a house out of it. But it's rare, therefore it had this monetary value. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. Now, part of the argument, though, is I would say is, well, right now, the people who are doing the best advancements are private industry. And private industry is only there because somebody made a lot of money. Elon Musk made a lot of money with eBay. Yep. Still does, I think. I'm not sure. I don't know if he sold it off or not. Now, here, here's the thing about Elon Musk that, that I'm going to say... Because it's always bothered me about him. The man is simply insane. Yes. You do realize yes. this. This is a man who thinks we live inside the Matrix. Yes. Okay. You're also taking a guy that the moment that he has the download, I will be signing up for it. <laughs> but you, you, you know what I'm saying, yeah, though. Yeah, I know. He's insane. But think of, tell, show me one, show me one great explorer, inventor, or thinker that isn't. I don't know any personally. No, no, but look at your history. You love history. Yeah. Show me one that wasn't insane. You have to be kind of insane to be an explorer. My point. My point. Um, uh, I always get her name wrong. Woman who flew around the world. Oh, uh, Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Yes, thank you. I always get Earhart, but I always come up with the first name that's wrong. You tell me that she... The, now we fly around the world. Oh, no big deal. Right. I mean, it's, it takes, what, 16 hours now in, a, in one of the fast jets? I mean, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous now. Um, the Concorde was even faster. I mean, it was just, okay. But in the moment, first off, she was a woman. 
Right. Okay. First off, woman. Oh my God, the fragile race. <laughs> I mean, wait, we're talking. We're talking that they had panic attacks, and oh my God, they bled once a month, which means that they were weak. Um. So yes, the fragile race. She, this is a woman who said one day, "I'm going to not only help design, but fly a plane solo around the world." Yeah. Um. She's Elon Musk of the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and let's look. I mean, I just pulled her up on Wikipedia because I knew about when. But 1937 is when she decided to fly around the world, uh, you know, as a woman mm -hmm. and go, I'm going to do this. Now, she did have a navigator who mm -hmm. was a man. Mm -hmm. And that well, was. Well, you don't want the woman to get lost. Now. Well, no, no. Actually, <laughs> that was a request of her. I don't know if it was her husband or boyfriend or whatever, but he wanted her to have somebody along that knew how to even though she was going to do it solo you know and she disappeared you know over the bermuda triangle take from that what you will well now they're saying thailand well they're constantly changing where she disappeared but yeah. i mean because nobody knows because yeah. it wasn't like they had a radio you know call back to wherever it's not like today where Folks, you we're talking about a time that not only we didn't have cell phones we not only, we barely had telephone, and radio didn't go everywhere. AM radio was not receivable on most of the planets. <laughs> and AM radio, I mean, honestly, look at your AM radio. How far do you read? You get 50 miles out of it today. Well, if you're, if you're used, I used to have one of these large global radios, okay. and I could pick up things from Peru. Yes. On a good cloudy day with the right bounce and the storms in the right position, AM goes a long ways. Yes. Yes. The but technology it's... was so bad that they couldn't, they didn't have a radio that could do that. Right. I, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's like ham radio, which is basically AM radio. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a little lower uh, than, it's, it's the, the megahertz is a little yeah. lower than AM radio, actually. But they, they do that. They use the bend of the atmosphere to get long distance out of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a limit to it, and it's repeaters. You have yep. to hit somebody, other, somebody else's repeater or ham radio to get your message through. I mean, you could talk to somebody in Russia, and you didn't have to be in Alaska to do it. Nope. You well, know? it would take a long time. It's like talking to Mars now. Yeah, it's like you send off your your message, and it takes, I think it's four or five minutes to get to Mars. Uh, seven. Seven? Yeah. And then it takes, that. then they get to decode it. Answer it yeah. and it's seven actually, minutes back. I think, if I remember correctly, it takes 12 minutes from the time that it's broadcast to the time that is decoded and understandable here, and the same process back and forth. It takes like almost half as much time to decode the process of what we sent as it is for what it to get there. Right. You know, and it's one of those things, along with. Everything else in this world, there's there's a process to it. It has to be done in a certain way or it doesn't work. Absolutely. Look at you setting up your sound system. Yeah, it took a while. And, you know, to get the balance and everything. I mean, if you listen to some of my earlier um, music podcasts, because I do that with a, with a buddy, you can hear me. I am like, hello. <laughs> and he's kind of like, hi, how's it going? You know, because. Well, the, Lou is so soft. Really? <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen Lou, he is not soft talked. He is not soft talked. He is um he's a lot like us. He's a bigger guy. And uh barrel chested we say. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or beer barrel chested. Yeah. As the case may be. Which neither one of us drink much beer anymore, which is kind of sad. Uh, (laughs) It is kind of sad. I do have a six pack in the fridge, though. Yay. But anyway. (laughs) I I, I get you. I want your point. Is Kit. You think finances was the downfall? I, I, in a lot of ways, yes. I think monetizing trade or monetizing day-to-day needs has a big deal with that because then it comes down to survival. Survival means I have more money than you. Survival... But money existed when we were... Money has existed a very, very long time. But it wasn't the sole way to get things. True, true. And I mean, I suppose you could, if you tried really hard and you found the right people, you could still barter there, everything. There, in your... there are barterers in America. Yeah, and there are barter systems still out there in the world, too. Mm-hmm. And these are not people that are going to war. Mm-hmm. You know, other than maybe one tribe against another tribe. But let's be honest, you know, you have, even in early America, you have two Indian tribes or two Native American tribes that go to war. Mm-hmm. What's what's the real casualty there? 50 people? Mm-hmm. Now, if America goes to war, I mean, how many people die and how well, quickly? Let's wait for South, let's say wait wait for North Korea to decide to launch one of their poorly made missiles. Yeah, and then of course our president will react in such a way that's just absolutely asinine because we don't really have to fear North Korea quite yet. No, none of the missiles reach us, folks. Just so right, you know. but I mean, I get it. China should be worried. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. This is a guy that we should worry about because people. And this is back to my point, is do we, where, I don't know if we've, and my problem is, I don't know that it's money. Money has been around in one form or another. There will always be the next most valuable thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we finally, I mean, when we get, when, just so you know, folks, when you go out into space, there are, there's asteroids that have diamonds. There are um, there are asteroids that have titanium and platinum, and um, everything we think is valuable here came from an asteroid. So once we go to space, all of the things that we think are valuable now aren't. Gold is going to become to us like it was to the Aztecs and the Incas. There was so much of it in Central America and Mexico that it was literally everybody had gold. They everybody. had gold trinkets yep. everywhere. Yeah. So, and that was the downfall of them as the conquistadors came in and went, gold? Right. But <laughs> when we get there, there's so many of the things that we think are exceedingly valuable here. Oh, the amount of silicone in space. So, I mean, not just silicone. I mean, gold, silver, yeah, platinum, right, right. titanium. Any, anything that was created by a supernova is out there all over the place, including water. Um, so the aliens didn't come here to steal our water, folks. Um, the... But I hey, like, my buddies in the tinfoil hat disagree with you. Ah, yeah, they gotta stop eating their hats. <laughs> <laughs> the I wonder, are we, are we the classic six-year-old as a as a globe who just got the BB gun? It's technology. Let's represent technology by the BB gun. Okay. As a society globally, are we old enough to have a BB gun? No. Because we already shot our sister in the face. (laughs) And 
And nobody and the problem is we got a BB gun, but nobody's telling us how to use it. And I a, a friend of mine who's a sociologist said his hope is that in the next 50 years a new religion creates the religion of technology. He says because I think the moment we perceive technology as part of our life, not just a tool of our life, we will reuse it the way we've used oh, the good side of religion, used religion in the good way. Is there not already religions out there that worship quote unquote uh, technology? Yeah, to a point, but they're very, they're 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 not commonplace. I mean, there's the transhumans, there's the there are the people who who do worship their items. I mean, we could use the classic. Um, but isn't that, isn't that kind of our downfall? Is we worship items, but we we worship the toy. We don't worship it. A, we don't see it as a higher power. I think we worship the the computer because it makes us feel good to have something better than Jack does. But when we take the computer, and once we get to a point where we see the com the computer can outthink us. And we're not far away from this, folks. I mean, with the quantum computers, we're talking about a computer that will be able to do a thousand years worth of thinking every millisecond. This is not a system that is going to be even... We can't even wrap our head around. A human can't comprehend the level of thinking that these new quantum computers are going to be able to do. They will be able to do a trillion years worth of computations every day. Yeah, see, that blows my mind. I, I have a hard enough time on my smartphone. Right. So here's where I'm wondering is, and maybe my friend is right, that when we go to the point that the computer or technology, even though we develop it, the technology itself becomes a higher power we start to use it the way the technology is meant to do by helping people so are you are, are you talking almost a ai scenario i don't know if we need even to go to the ai scenario i'm not i'm kind of afraid that an ai will tell me that i'm a waste of air because technically i kind of am i'm a horribly designed creature i am disabled if anybody needed wants to know i'm broken i'm a I'm a resource leech and not creating much anymore other than entertainment listening to me right now. Um, or hopefully it's entertaining. Um, so technically I'm a resource leech. So if the AI is wanting to make the world better, people like me might be removed. <laughs> so part of me is kind of with um, some of the scientists who say that the AI might not be what we want it to be. Yeah, the the, the idea of AI actually scares me. Yeah. I mean, a true AI. Now, I am... I'm not talking things like Watson, who just has access to everything. An, an answer box is not an AI. Correct. An answer box is Google. It's an advanced Google. I ask it a question. It uses an algorithm. It takes all of the generic data. That means when I ask what color are cats... They will come back and tell me, it'll look up cats, color, correlate those two, and give me a list. Right. That's not thinking. That's that's a gigantic sorting program. Right. 
And I am also not, I'm not saying that when we go to a transhuman, I am all for, if I, I, as I told people, I'm disabled. If somebody could give me a robot body right now, I would be really happy. The idea of going to the snap-on man and getting a new arm makes me really happy because my arm, there's a guy out there, ex-military guy, who got given an artificial limb. He can feel the fuzziness on a tennis ball. Really? Yes. The new skins are absolutely amazing. They can wire into his nerves that when he picks up a tennis ball without knowing what it is, he can tell them that it's fuzzy. I can't. Jesus Christ. They can, they can do that and they can't give me a new pancreas that works? Well, that's actually pretty close. They actually have I know it is. really, really close. But here's the point. I can't feel the fuzziness of this tennis ball because I have a thing called neuropathy and my nerves are dead. So my technology is amazing. But at the same exact point, we have people starving in your town. Wherever you're listening right now, folks, there are people who have not had a meal. There are people who are cold, wet, need something, need medical help, may need mental care. Um, maybe they're old. Maybe they don't know how to ask. We have the technology to fix to give a man without a hand a hand that can tell a tennis ball is fuzzy. Yet, we're not feeding the guy down the street. We're not giving that guy a bowl of soup and saying, dude, um, there's an empty house over here that I own. Let's get you housing. I mean, I'm not saying rich people have to give away everything, but where's this? We did something wrong in here. And I'm not saying that we've lost, that it's a moral issue. It seems more like a human issue. It's the ability and the seemingly need to ignore something that's uncomfortable i think that's very true um a friend of mine was a police a, a police person in new uh, worked as a police officer in new york for a long time and uh he moved back to wisconsin because he just couldn't hack it anymore he says i hated it because and no offense to anybody who was in new york and if oh, I, yeah, our listenership is huge in new york well it's possible <laughs> um it, it, but and if i'm wrong tell chad but when he was a police officer, someone would yell, help, and people would actually close their windows. Yeah. It wasn't that – and I'm an ex I, – when I, as I also bounced when I was much younger. When I saw somebody, a young woman, a young man, a couple, an individual, a drunk person getting manhandled, my job was to go over there and assist them – with either removing the person, the people that were harming them, or removing them from a situation that they could harm themselves. And it's downright befuddling to me that we don't do this as a society. And I'm not talking America. I mean, um, a good friend of Chad's and mine goes to India. And the horror stories he comes back with about a very civilized country, a country with a history that completely dwarfs the American history. This is a culture that's been around virtually forever. Yeah. Yet, they have a caste system. There are people that literally grow up knowing that they cannot be touched, literally cannot have human touch by other people because they're untouchable. Really? This is downright horrendous. Oh, absolutely. And... Everybody looks away from it because it's always the way they've always done it. It's it's the thing that they're known for. It's They've always had a caste system. We can't ask them to change that. 
Well, you know what? People within their own populace have asked for that change. Gandhi, Mahatma mm-hmm. Gandhi, um, Adira Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, those just happen to be the names that I know. A lot of the people who come here that I met when I lived down in Illinois through my wife, she worked in a company that had a lot of people who moved to America from India. And I and they all said, we don't understand why it's still there. We don't understand. And these are educated, college-educated, higher caste of people who are saying that they, even though they're higher caste, don't understand why it still exists. The sad part is, is I didn't hear any one of them, even then, telling me how they tried to change it. No, because it's it's ingrained. But if that's true, if this ingraining is true, that scares me more than an AI. Okay, explain. Because that means that if it is ingrained and it can't be changed, then as we get more and more technology... We're going to have a wider and wider and wider chasm between the haves and the have-nots, the can and the cannots. Well, see, that's that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm not saying it can't be changed. I'm saying they didn't try to change it because it's ingrained. It was it was taught to them as that's the way it is. But did they do? But are they teaching? And I'm not saying I don't know. But if they are not teaching their young that this system is wrong and they don't talk about it and don't acknowledge their own failure, it's... I, I, get what I, I, watch, I, watched, I watched a thing the other day where Pence was talking about how he can't go to dinner with a co-worker who's female because he's never dined with another female other than his wife. That's fucking stupid. Okay, if you have such a horrible control over your male urges... Um, dude, you need help. Secondly, um, what, where, if we, if we all are on this Muslim worry, this is what they do. Um, we, I just read a story the other day, my wife actually brought it to me, about a young girl in second grade who was sent home because her dress was too short and she was going to cause the boys in her class to be distracted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The only male in the room that I hope was not distracted by a second grade girl was the teacher. Because I'll tell you, I was a second grade boy. I wasn't thinking about girls at that point. Couldn't give a shit less. Right. So who was this second grade girl offending? Maybe nobody. Unfortunately, the... The zero tolerance policies that have gone into effect, the teacher may not even have been offended, but because of this zero, you know, this zero, I can't think of the word right now, but this zero allowance for anything outside of the rules, it's ridiculous. I mean, I have read stories about little boys. Who writes these rules? Who the hell knows? Absolutely. you know, but here's the thing is I've started stories about little boys in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, whatever, being expelled because they went like this and they made a th- an L out of their hand. They made a handgun. A handgun and went bang. Yep. Who is that going to hurt? That does not, that does not in any way make me think that that little boy is going to be a murderer. No. And a girl wearing a short skirt 
in second grade isn't going to make those boys rapists and isn't going to make that girl a prostitute. No, it, it doesn't. I, I don't get where these rules that we have, we are turning... There was a great story that those that you scream the loudest about are those that you see the most of yourself in. Could be. And the irony is we're screaming so much about Muslims taking over the world. They are horrible to their women. They treat their children terrible. They don't believe in science. They live tribally. They do all of these things, and we scream about it as Americans, the French, the Germans, the British... All of the alleged civilized countries of the world are screaming about Muslims in their country. Yet, all of those countries are becoming more and more and more, or are showing themselves to be more and more and like who they're screaming about. Oh, absolutely. And I, 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 it's, it's again, back to that point. Where did we go wrong? And, you know, you keep asking that question, and I don't think there's a single answer. That That's the first thing, is there's not I a... Don't, I agree with you. There's not a, you know, there's not a crossroads where we can go, aha! Wouldn't it be nice? It would be, because that would be damn easy or, to fix. Or maybe, maybe we can divide it up. Where are all of the crossroads? Can we go from that point, where instead of saying, I need to find that one crossroad where we went wrong, can we find the crossroad where we have to ex tell little girls that they can't dress away because boys will be boys and we can't let boys play cowboys and Indians because it's racially bad to Indians and it they may someday want to own a gun, which, depending on where they live, may or may not be culturally accepted, um, where we feed the people who are hungry. They don't have to have a mansion. But how about a dry place to sleep, food to eat, and the medicines that they need to be well? I mean, where where do all of these crossroads happen? And maybe if we start to see those, can we repair this before we start colonizing planets and possibly take this disease further? It's it's possible. Um, you know, we got to sit down and we got to find those crossroads, though. I mean, we can point to a few of them. You know, to me, I say, you know, it was when we monetized trade. You know, we can look at it and we can go, it's when this happened in religion, whatever that happened to be. You know, we can say, well, it was when Trump this... Trump got elected president. Well, <laughs> and I think on that note... Well, I think... I'm sorry, folks. It seems like since four, you guys hadn't been depressed enough, so I had to come back. <laughs> So I think on that note, we're going to call this a wrap. Okay. I thank you for coming in. I think you've asked a lot of big questions. Oh, people. and folks, if you have any positive input. Or negative. Or negative, but don't beat Chad up because of what I say. No, well, if, send it to me and I'll I'll send it to yeah, Dave. If, uh, if, if you need to beat us up, please do it. Otherwise, if you have positive input, don't just share it with us. Share it with the guy sitting next to you. Share it with the woman sitting next to you. Share right. it with people at work. Write a blog. Do do a podcast. Get your statement out there because the only way we're going to possibly find these crossroads, as Chad put, is if we all start working together. Yeah, I totally agree. So next week, I'm going to have Ashley Bishop back on the show. She hasn't been with us in a while. I think it was episode 15, 16, somewhere in there when she was on last. So she's going to come in. We're going to talk again. Uh, hopefully this time we're not going to talk so much about animal sex as we did last time. But Wow, well, i got to listen to that one. See? <laughs> <laughs> I miss a lot of them, folks. <laughs> All right. So 
Ever wonder to yourself, how do I let this guy know how much I like slash hate his podcast? But after Dave's talk today, let's not use hate. Let's use like. How much you like my podcast? Or think to yourself, man, I'd love to have be a guest on this podcast. I have a great idea for a topic. Well, you're in luck. There are two ways for you to reach out to me. First, send me an email at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com and leave me a message. Or if you're more into the social media stuff, you can find me on Facebook at POI Network. Uh, either way, I look forward to hearing from you. All right, so we're going to head out with the quote of the day. Quote of the day, I define nothing, not beauty, not patriotism. I take each thing as it is without prior rules about what it should be. Said by Bob Dylan, he's an American songwriter, singer, painter, and writer. He has been influential in popular music and culture for more than five decades. Much of his most celebrated work dates from the 1960s when his songs chronicled social unrest. Early songs such as Blown in the Wind and The Times They Are a-Changin' became anthems for the civil rights movement and anti-war movement. Leaving behind his initial base in the American folk music revival, his six-minute single, Like a Rolling Stone, recorded in 1965, enlarged the range of popular music. He's got a point there, that, that, that small little snippet, you know, telling people that even though I'm this cultural icon, I mean, and I don't care who you are, if you're over 20 years old, you know who Bob Dylan is. Hopefully. <laughs> or you should. And of course, when I say everybody, I'm talking Americans, because I don't know how big Bob Dylan is in the rest of the world. But anyway, you know, he doesn't define beauty, obviously. Have you seen the man? Uh, patriotism, though he was very patriotic in a countercultural kind of way. Absolutely. He was still patriotic. He just takes what he has and he flows with it. You know, and the rules, like, you know, the times, they are a change and always. Remember the rules, folks, are meant to be changed. Not because they're bad but because they have to be updated. Correct. And with that, I thank everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. See you later, folks. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.